it's a challenging time for us, isn't it? And uh, we we find ourselves in a in a in a different situation than probably any of us ever have ever found in our lives before. Uh, we've gone through months and months and months of our world just being just thrown over and just it's just been a crazy, crazy time, hasn't it? So whether you're in-house or whether you're joining us online, just welcome. But I feel like this is really a critical time for us as Christians. We have an opportunity to really have an influence and have a positive force in our world that I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people around me, neighbors, friends, different people who are just, they're losing energy, they're struggling, they're losing hope, they're, it feels like they're ready to give up, and we want to believe that this is just about over, but I almost think that we have to think that we're going to have to catch our second wind because it isn't over yet. But here's the thing. We're studying the book of First Peter, and Peter talks to Christians who are going through difficult times. They're really struggling. They're, they're just not able to make sense of what's happening around them, kind of like we are right now. And Peter writes to them, and his letter is so thoughtful, and it's so helpful, and it's so timely for us. And what I would like to do is I'd like to look at, well, we want to go through the letter of First Peter, because he writes t actually two letters. We want to go through these letters, and we want to basically come to a place where we say, all right, there's some principles that I can learn in my life that not only will help me and will give me strength and encourage my heart and my soul, but they will allow me to help other people around me who don't have the same hope that I have. Because that's essentially what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, remember the hope that you have laid, you know, in heaven for you. And when you do that, you can your life takes on a whole new perspective. And you're able to, to uh, not just survive, but thrive. And be a hope and be an encouragement to the people around you. So we're going to dive into 1 Peter. And uh, we're going to start at verse 3. And you, maybe you can follow along with me in your Bibles. Let me read uh, verse 3. And this is, this section is so like technical. I mean, it's grammatically and everything. It's just, he says so much here. But let me read it to you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Sounds like our time, doesn't it? These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have seen him, you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not, even though you do not, excuse me, see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an 
inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end of your the result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And he says in verse 10 concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was po pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that now have been told by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And it says this is kind of a strange but interesting phrase. You, you just think of uh, people who are peering into, you know, you ever see those construction sites where, you know, they have a hole in the fence and people are like looking in the hole to see what are they doing in there? And think of that. It says even the angels long to look into these things. They're watching Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace that is brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. All right, so what do we want to do today? Uh, we want to talk about when you go through trials, troubles, and tribulations, there's really three things that I want you to think about. You might want to write these down. Now, the first one is maintain the right perspective. Maintain the right perspective. And that's not always easy to do, is it? It's not always easy to have the right perspective. Um, I find that when I'm stressed out, when I'm struggling, it's hard for me to, to look past the circumstances and have the right attitude and the right perspective. And perspective is really important. Let me give you a couple of examples. So if you've ever been at a Little League game, hopefully you weren't this parent, and there's a bad call, and all of a sudden you are in the volunteer, let me say that one more time, volunteer umpire. He's not a major league referee or umpire. He is a volunteer, and you're in their face arguing with them about a call with a six- or seven-year-old, and you absolutely lose it. You have lost perspective, right? You've lost perspective. And, and, or, you know, you, here's another one. When, you, when your kids were little, you'd say, well, when are we going to do whatever? Fill in the blank. And you say, we're going to go in an hour. And you know when you say that to a little kid, they go, an hour? How long is an hour? You know? And they come back every three seconds, it seems like, and says, is it time yet? No, in an hour. No, okay. And it just seems, because they don't have the perspective, right? Now, how many of you have just, there's some things that you, you, do, you do not want, you would not want to share those right now. Because they made you look foolish and silly because you just lost perspective. And by the way, it's happening all the time right here and now. In fact, more so, I think, because we're getting squeezed. And when we get squeezed, what's inside comes out. And sometimes it's impatience, it's indifference, it's prejudice, it's anger, it's hostility. It's, it's all those things that are going on. It, and, it, and really, it comes down to a loss of perspective. Sometimes even Christian music doesn't help us. Uh, this is an old hymn. And I'm going to start saying the words. You're going to say, oh, I like that. Okay. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, 
And the burden of my heart rolled away. We love that song, right? Don't you love that song? Isn't that a great song? Then it goes on like this. It was there by faith I received my sight. And what? Now I'm happy all the day. Really? You are? <laughs> Just like that, huh? I'm sorry that that I you had me all the way until and now I'm happy all the time that didn't work out for me very well and I don't think it did for you and that's where we get this perspective I think that okay now you're a Christian now you're a follower of Jesus Christ you're gonna be happy all the time even when you're not you're gonna grit your teeth and say yeah everything's wonderful no it's not uh, this week I talked a little bit on my on uh, Facebook about John Newton and uh, John Newton, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see, right? So the story of John Newton is, very an, interest, is an interesting story. He says that Amazing Grace was basically the story of his life. He began as uh, basically as a prisoner, but then became uh, a sailor and, and actually became a captain on a slave ship. And then he came to Christ. And he said over and over in the account, as I was reading through it this week, as I was reading through his autobiography a little bit, um, he was saying that he thinks, you know, I think he was saved way back in. And here's what happened. He got saved, but his life didn't change until a little bit later. God had to work on him a little bit. So he became a, a slave captain and was taking slaves from, from Africa to England and uh, the captain of the ship. And he came to a place where he realized that those were those didn't fit and he basically um, stopped doing that and he repented of it and he feels as though that's the moment he came to Christ he probably came to Christ earlier but that was a decisive spiritual moment in his life and he joined the abolitionist movement and he joined uh, Wilberforce who was uh, the head of the uh, leader of the parliamentary campaign against the, the uh, abolishment of African slave trade um, he lived to see the passage of the British uh, the Slave Trade Act of 1807. Here's one of my favorite quotes from him. And I told you the whole story just to get to the quote because I, I love the quote. I'm going to read it twice so you can hear it. So just listen the first time and then listen the second time. He says something I think is really important. He says, everything is necessary that he sends. Nothing can be necessary that he withholds. Let me read that one more time. Everything is necessary that he sends. Nothing can be necessary that he withholds. And I think we get into a lot of conflict with God about that. We say, God, why don't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you send this? God's saying, because it wasn't for your good. You know, or, 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 or you, you say, why, God, why did you do this? Why did you send this? And God says, for your own good. So that's the first one perspective all right here's the second point remember your salvation remember your salvation see the day and this is what peter kind of jumps into he talks about the new birth he talks about salvation and he says the day that you received your salvation whether you knew it or not your life changed radically just like newton newton says well i was really saved here because i saw the radical change but probably he was saved way back here but god was working on him but your whole direction of life changed See, our salvation causes us to have a different perspective, a new perspective. Uh, we, we now have an eternal view of life, right? Our, our whole view of life changes. We know the final score. 
I've used this illustration before. It's one thing to watch a game when your, your team is, you know, playing the game and you're going, ah, are we going to win? We're down by 10 and it doesn't look like we're going to make it. And then you come through and you win and, and you watch the game and you're, you're just a, you're an emotional wreck at the end of the game because there's the ups and downs, the ups and downs, the ups and downs. But think about this. You watch the same game, but somebody told you the final score. You watch it and you're just popping popcorn and you're going, yep. Yeah, we're losing big time, but you know, I know we're going to win. What do you think the whole book of Revelation is? It's God saying we win. I will wipe away every tear. Death will be good. No more. There's a new heaven and a new earth. We win. That's the point. So how do you see you're suffering through the lens of salvation because that's really what Peter's talking about. He's saying you have this salvation, you have this new birth, though for a little while you're going to suffer. And, and Peter's saying, look through your suffering through the lens of your salvation. Here's, here's two things to consider. Number one, we need to understand how much he gave us. Peter said that we've received a new birth, we've been set free from sin, and we've been promised an eternal hope. Um, We've received an inheritance. What does he say about this inheritance? He says, it will never perish, it will never spoil, it will never fade. One of the things that I like to watch on TV is I like to watch these old car shows where they take an old, I mean, it's like, really, you're going to fix that? Why? You know? and, and they're cutting all the rust out. There's rust everywhere and they cut it out, they rebuild it and they put it together. You go, well, that's beautiful. Probably could have bought a new car for cheaper, but it's still beautiful. <laughs> but the point is, Peter says, you have an inheritance. It's never going to rust. It's, it's, it's safe. It's secure. So we need to understand that. We need to understand how much he gave us. But secondly, we need to understand how much it cost him. Jesus entered our suffering and gave his life. It cost him everything. He got off of his throne and came from heaven to earth. He humbled himself to death on the cross. And Jesus said to his disciples, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. But Jesus basically did what the greatest thing that anyone could ever do for you. He laid his life down for you. And so the point I want you to see is there's nothing more that he could do to show you how much he loves you. There's nothing more that he could do. Um, all right. The, the other thing, too, about this is it doesn't just show how much he loves you. It shows he understands what you're going through. Because he suffered. Because he was betrayed. Because he got hungry. Because he got tired. All those things, you see? All those things happen because he became a man and lived among us. He didn't just stand above us and look down. He joined us. He entered into humanity. And that's Peter's perspective is you have to ha see the lens. You have to see suffering through the lens of the salvation that Jesus gave you, that he suffered for you and with you. See, when you see your life through the lens of your new birth and inheritance, it will change the way you view your trials, troubles, and tribulations. So Paul writes this, and I just think this is hilarious. Let me read you the passage, and then I'll make a comment about it. 
This is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Here's what he says. He, sa- he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And then he uses this phrase. This is, to me, this is hilarious. When I, when I read this, I'm going, oh, come on, stop. And he says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, let's just stop for a minute. He uses this phrase, he says, for our light and momentary troubles. Let's talk about his light and momentary troubles. He was beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked. He had long days and sleepless nights. He had da- it says he had danger all the way. Paul's life, I mean, any one of those things that had happened to us, we'd go, Check, please. <laughs> no, I'm done. You know, <laughs> no more. <laughs> Uncle, you know, whatever. But he says these are these are light and momentary. You know, they're, yeah, it, it's not a big deal. And I'm going, really? Are you kidding me? So, let's just remember that. Remember your salvation. And the last point: stop trying to make sense of your suffering. I think we spend so much time saying, God, why? explain it to me just show me why you know the first book of the bible has a lot to say about suffering and you many of you are going wait genesis i don't remember that what chapter was that it's not genesis job most scholars believe that uh, chronologically job was the first book of the of the of the old testament and um you think about the book of job what a story you know the story job was the most righteous man on the earth and um God allowed him to lose uh, everything, including his health. And uh, he had friends that came and basically said, they sat with him and were quiet with him for a few days, which was great. And then they began to try to, uh, they tried to ascertain why. <laughs> Anytime we try to answer that question, number one, we'll probably get it wrong. Number two, even if we get it right, we're not going to like the answer. Right? Isn't that true? I mean, think about that. Why, why do we go through suffering? I mean, what are the, what are the reasons we go through, through suffering? Well, there's a number of them. We live in a fallen world. If you knew that, does that make you feel better? Not me. Uh, let, here's another one. We sometimes get caught up in the backwash of our world. In other words, there's bad people, there's evil people that do terrible things. And sometimes bad things happen to bad people because there's evil and evil people in the world. Does that make you feel better? Not me. Or... Sometimes we bring pain and suffering on ourselves. We do dumb things, right? The internet's full of this. You can turn on the internet and say, dumb people, dumb, you know, people do dumb things and watch it. Some of it's funny, some of it's not so funny. But the point is, sometimes we bring these on ourselves and we have no one to blame except ourselves, except what we generally do in those situations is we try to find a way to blame others because we don't think we deserve it. But Peter hits on one that's interesting. Peter says sometimes it's part of God's spiritual training. Sometimes we need, it, we need to go into the furnace so that our faith can be refined like gold. That's what he, this whole gold discussion is talking about. What Peter's saying there is sometimes we have to go through the fire so that we can be refined, that our faith can be refined. And so proving our faith is a thing that, that God sometimes does. Uh, what he's essentially saying is, if you're a Christ follower, then you will grow stronger 
through the storm. Now, nobody wants to hear that. I mean, you think of any athlete in, in training. A lot of, I guess, football and baseball and other sports are trying to start up now, and they're going through training. The training is not fun. Nobody looks forward. You know, there's sadists that look at training as fun, but most people don't say, oh, goody, you know, run laps, run lines, you know, go into weight training, you know, all this. No, no, you know, most people don't think that. It's, it's hard. But here's, uh, I love this pro proverb. It says this, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm. Proverbs 10, 25. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm. So I came across this quote by Elizabeth Elliot, and it's a, it's a, I think it's a fantastic quote. And essentially what she's going to say in the quote, I want to tell you what she's going to say so you can like listen for it because you'll hear it. Um, she basically says suffering is something that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ is par for the course. It's part of life. But it's a, it's a part that God can use for good. And here's what she says. We bow in gratitude for his willingness to take the cup the Father gave him, a cup so immensely more bitter than the one he gives us ever. So we, refu we refuse the cup he gives us, excuse me, shall we refuse the cup he gives us, or shall we grasp it with both hands, as it were, realizing it holds just what is most needful for our spiritual wholeness, Ours, unlike his, has been sweetened at the lips of sweet Jesus. We drink it by trustful acceptance, and God transforms it for his glory. Thus, our suffering may become the substance of sacrifice, a love offering to God, and a sacrifice of praise. Too often what we do is we judge God's goodness based upon the crisis that we're in rather than the cross of Jesus. And what Peter's essentially saying is look to the cross, look to Jesus, look to your salvation. Yes, you will suffer, but you have an eternal hope, you have an inheritance, you have a new birth, you have salvation. Look to that because that is what's going to buoy you up when the suffering and the challenging times come. That is what's going to get you going. When others have nothing. You remember the book of Daniel? Daniel had three friends. And we don't know where Daniel was in this chapter, but his three friends, you know, everybody was told, bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said, no, we're not going to do that. And so the king got hot. And so he said, heat up the furnace even hotter and got it hotter and threw him in the furnace. You, you remember the story, right? And uh, there's a point where the king kind of peeks into the furnace to see what's going on. And uh, it says this in Daniel 3, 24. Weren't there three men tied up into the fire? And then he says, there's four. And one of them looks like the son of God. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who that is, right? And, and the point is, Jesus was in the furnace with his friends. And Jesus is in the furnace with you and you, and you, and me. And by the way, he's already been through the furnace. In fact, he was thrown into the furnace of God's wrath, the wrath that we deserve, the wrath that we should have gotten, but he went and took the furnace, the wrath of God's, the furnace of God's wrath. And this is 
the last part of First Peter. It's very interesting. I want to close with this. Peter says, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that has come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Jesus and the glories that he would follow. What is Peter saying there? You know what Peter's saying there very clearly? I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll cut to the chase. Peter's saying, the prophets looked at what they were writing and said, I don't understand this. <laughs> that, that's essentially what Peter's saying. He says, they didn't understand. It wasn't for them. It was for us. They, they didn't get that. They didn't understand that. They, they wrote things that they didn't understand. They didn't see the implications of what they were writing. That was very common for the prophets. But then I love, I want to close with this one. Then Peter says, Peter says something about the angels. And you, we read that line, right? He said that the angels marveled at our salvation. They longed to look at it. Now think about that for a minute. Peter's saying, shouldn't we be as excited about our salvation and as focused about our salvation as the angels because they just watch and watch and watch and are amazed by it over and over and over. What Peter is saying to us is this. This is going to get tough. This world, you'll have, Peter, Jesus said, you'll have tribulation. And we're going through tribulation. Some of us more than others. In all areas of our lives. But you know what? We, we can't just hang on. We, we've got to do more than that. Peter says the only way you're going to do more than that, and the only way you're going to not just survive but thrive, is you're going to have to have that heavenly perspective. You're going to have to think about the inheritance. You're going to have to think of the new birth, the salvation. You're going to have to understand that Jesus entered into the suffering with you. He's with you in the midst of it. And when you embrace all of that, and when you walk in all of that, you will have a perspective that will just not just carry you, but you'll, you'll thrive. And, and here's the thing. We have such an incredible opportunity as Christians to live with hope and live with joy and live with peace. We have such an opportunity right now. But if we're panicking like the rest of the world around us who have no... Peter says, you're looking at the wrong things. You're just looking at the troubles and the trials and the tribulations, you're going to get down and discouraged. But when you lift your eyes to Jesus, when you lift your eyes to heaven, when you see your salvation, when you see all of that, it will lift your spirit. And it will, won't just lift your spirit, it will lift the spirits of those around you. So who are you going to influence this week for good? And where are you going to find that? I think I just showed you where you can find that energy, that power, that hope. See, we have a living hope. A hope that Peter says, when you look at that living hope, you will go through, you know, you, though for now, Pete Paul says, yeah, had a little bit of trouble there, a little bit, right? But you downplay it because you know the final score. And you know that it is an inheritance kept for you in heaven. That we win. That's what Peter says, keep your eyes on. Let's pray. Father, we need your help because without your help, it, 
we have a lot of, uh, we lose perspective. And uh, we need to look up, as Peter has said. We need to see the new birth, our salvation, the inheritance. We need to be as amazed at our salvation as the angels are. We need to understand that you didn't leave us alone. That you sent your son to Jesus, entered into our suffering and understands what we're going through. And when we go through the furnace, you are there. We go through the valley, you are there. So Father, help us not just to survive this week. Help us to thrive. Acknowledging that, that, that life is hard. But acknowledging even more that the hope and the joy and the purpose and the meaning that you give to our lives transcend all of that. May your spirit bring the word of God to our hearts in a powerful way this week, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.